Welcome. Hi, it's uh, Chip. That was, I love that music, man. It's great. Um, Chip Franklin with you here on another edition of What the Franklin. It's our big travel day, right? I'm not going anywhere. And um, actually, I got something to kind of share with you. So uh, we'll start with that before we have a, just a great show. I got uh, I got John Nichols uh, from The Nation. Uh, we're going to talk about when will they impeach Biden? That's the GOP House. And what are they going to do about Fauci? You've been following this, too. Got a lot about great, great videos today. Um, also, the best thing you'll see on the Internet coming up. It's awesome. Um, and also a little bit later on, uh, Dr. A, uh, Art Kaplan. Uh, Art is an old friend of mine. He's the he heads up the New York University's Division of Bioethics. And we'll talk about the legacy of Fauci. Fauci. Um, obviously, Anthony Fauci is, has done a lot. And uh, to listen to this BS from the Republican Party and the attacks from people like Rand Paul and others, it's too much. Anyway, we'll get to that coming up in just a second. Um, I got to tell you this. So my wife and I went to a party on Saturday and um, and apparently we were in this. I haven't been in a restaurant without a mask in three years. I've been really good about this. I had a, um, a time where I thought I had it and uh, it turns out I didn't. Uh, but then I found out that my wife tested positive yesterday morning. So I've tested twice since then. I'm negative, but it, I'm just like waiting for it to happen. If anybody's ever been in that scenario, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Somebody, uh, by the way, uh, you can write me at chip at chipfranklin.com. Please follow us here on YouTube as well. And um, you can actually go, you can subscribe and then you can get a notification. So, you know, whenever we go live, you can be right there with us. Um, what else did I want to tell you? Something. Oh, yeah. I want to thank <laughs> my sponsor, Steve Moskowitz, right out of the top. Moskowitz, LLP.com, tax attorneys. Steve and his crew are incredible. And um, here's a great one, too. If you have a side hustle, if you have two jobs, Steve can show you how to take the money from one of your side hustles and put it into a place where you won't be taxed until you take it out at retirement. You can actually set up your own pension. And the cool part about it is, is you can decide the next year. So for tax year, this is tax year 2022. You have until the fall of next year. He'll give you all the details. But anyway, that's all coming up. Um, that's our sponsor today. Um, one of the things I think about when I, um, I think about these shootings, of course, is some of the reaction we get from politicians. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Again, everybody from Ted Cruz to Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, to people maybe you don't know in the Republican Party and what they said is just insane. Uh, joining me right now is uh, editor, contributor to The Nation, uh, and an old friend, John Nichols. John, good to see you, buddy. Been a while. It's great to be with you, my friend. It's been about almost about a year since I left KGO Radio. Uh, it was yeah. December 1st in uh, 2022, and I uh, took a kind of a buyout slash got canned. But I had a, a real, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, too, because I don't know if you know that KGO uh, turned into uh, the old station I was on in San Francisco, turned in, they fired everybody. Again, and they turned it into a 24 hour syndicated betting shows. Oh my gosh. So they, what, they've taken the most vulnerable people in the world, people that now can, in California, we voted this down that you could actually bet on your phone, uh, but other states allow it. And they're going to allow people to just lose their life savings uh, to do it. I mean, you know, and it's funny too, because everybody talks about freedom, the Republicans, you know, we want freedom. I go, yeah, how come I can't, how come I can't smoke crack? Or, or do meth whenever I want. Obviously, we have we look out for the general public. Gambling is a disease that tr affects tremendous numbers in this country. And it just it pisses me off. Sorry to go on my little rant there <laughs> top of the show. But anyway, um, 
So the let's talk. I'm going to we haven't spoken in a while. The Nation is a progressive uh, magazine that uh, has incredible uh, writing and insight. Uh, and I, I think when I was looking, I looked, I came right to you the day after the red wave didn't happen, you know, and uh, and it, it wasn't gloating. I think it was everybody was like fingers crossed. Um, you know, was this because of Roe? Was this because of, you know, the 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 uh, the the linger in the air, the fart effect of Trump? And uh, I don't know what it was, but I wonder now moving forward, now that they have the House and and Marjorie Taylor Greene and others are, are talking about Fauci. They're talking. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the show, but they're also talking about impeaching Biden still. Um, what's your take on what happened on November 8th and moving forward with a Democratic uh, House no more? Well, there's a, a couple of very important things you put on the table, and we should probably separate them up and talk about what happened and then kind of where we're headed. Uh, but first off, it's just great to be back with you. I appreciate you, my friend. And oh, uh, it's a pleasure. Um, so, look, what happened on November 8th is that the American people proved to be more serious about the fate of the republic than a lot of pundits and a lot of politicians anticipated. And we ought to give the American people a whole lot of credit. I mean, it's, it's there were huge bad. numbers, huge, yeah. un, un, unprecedented midterm numbers. For, for and that. and um, look, you and I have been around this long enough to know that one of the kind of default positions is if only young people voted, it would be different. and It would be better. Well, this time, young people voted and they they didn't vote the same numbers as people over 65, but they voted in higher numbers than they have in many previous elections, but especially midterms. And that had a tremendous impact. I can tell you in uh, my state of Wisconsin on election day, you know, I was like anybody tense, nervous, kind of uncertain about where it was all going to go. And I was walking in my neighborhood. My neighborhood is near an area with a lot of graduate students. There's a synagogue uh, where people vote. And there was a line out the door and around the block, all young people, Many of them, you know, because we have same day registration, literally registering on the clipboards and, and doing it. And it, I, I remember tweeting or uh, texting to a friend and saying, you know, this election is going to turn out better than people expected. Um, and and, and I, I really hold to that view. And so, Chip, the first thing is that what happened on November 8th is that a lot of Americans uh, who were difficult to poll because polling is much harder in these times stepped up. Sometimes Can I jump in there and say, say that, that, you know, young people don't answer phone calls uh, that no. they don't recognize it. So there's no way to tell how young people are voting. They can pretend, um, you know, pollsters can. But, you know, as Rasmussen actually tried to make stuff up, I saw. Oh, you know, who was I think right there was a lot, of polls, a lot of bad polls out there. Yeah. There's no question of that. But what, re what really happened was, I think, a couple of things. And, and pundits tend to try and make it too easy, right? They say, oh, it was Roe. Well, yes, it was Roe. There's no question. A lot of those young voters and others who came came because of Roe. And then other people say, well, it was democracy. There was a fear uh, after January 6th and, and with all the things Trump has said and Republican election deniers have said. So, you know, that was it. And yes, that was a part of it. Um, there was a concern, I think, way undercovered by the media that um, Rick Scott and other Republicans, uh, Ron Johnson, Wisconsin, were talking about messing with Social Security, Medicare and Medicaid. I think that really had an impact uh, <laughs> with a lot of voters. Who who gave them that idea that that would be a good thing to talk about getting rid of Social Security and Medicaid? I mean, who? I mean, if you know anything about politics, right? yeah, if you were that's like been a, the third rail for how long, John? If, 
1935. (laughs) But if you're a third grade kid who's like on a school assignment, you know, and you're you're in a campaign headquarters and they and they asked you, well, is there anything we shouldn't do? The third grader would say, well, you probably shouldn't take away, you know, the retirement security of my grandparents. By the way, that they paid into for their entire life. It's I love it when people call Social Security an entitlement. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. No, it's not an entitlement. It's it's these people paid into it their entire lives. If you look at your paycheck and look at the money that goes into Social Security, it's 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 not a lot. It's it's also it's also a societal commitment. Right. Well, there's that. But I mean, but it's it's an important one because it, it all makes sense in what you're saying. We pay in and we pay in a lot in our time. Right. For proportionally. And then someone else, our kids or our grandkids, they pay in. And they pay in proportionally. And it, it keeps working because each generation remains committed to it. And, yeah. and so somebody who's 105 years old is getting a, a decent payment because they paid in, but also because their children and their grandchildren pay in. This is John Nichols from the nation, uh, nation.com. Check it out. Um, one of the things I think that we, we can't overlook uh, moving forward here is the idea that, again, that some of the motivation to get out to vote again proves, especially in these small house districts that are being decided by a thousand votes or Bopert, hundreds of votes, right? Mm-hmm. That your vote does count. Oh, and yeah. for minorities, especially that haven't voted because they've been cynical, they can now see that now how important would it be to have the house uh, and ha- having like 52 votes in the Senate and mm-hmm. a Democrat president, the things that they could do again, everything mm-hmm. from social mm-hmm. programs to, um, you know, judges, federal, just to try to balance, actually, right now, to try to limit some of the previous damage from the other four years, um, because obviously federal judges are huge. Having yep. uh, an unblockable number in the Senate, I mean, again, you know, did you see Trump go off on uh, the Supreme Court uh, in a, on, a, on a tweet today? Yeah, yep. so he, yep. he tweeted out, you know, but how this horrible Supreme Court, of course, that made him have to show his taxes, a guy that lied about it from day one, that he would always show his taxes. Anyway, to your point, as we build up to try to understand what happened on November 8th, I think there were a lot of things That's right. uh, that coalesced. I was disappointed that with Milwaukee, Chicago suburbs, and Madison, that we couldn't defeat Ron Johnson. And that was close, right? It was 26,000 votes out of yeah. uh, you know, 2.3, 2.4 million cast. And so uh, could Mandela Barnes, the challenger to Ron Johnson, have been elected? Absolutely. There's no question. And what a great he's, guy. What a, he's smart a tremendous young man. And, and he's got a future in politics. There's he no does. doubt about that. But here's a subtlety of it, Chip, that we should take in. As we talk about the what happened in the 2022 election, we should also recognize that the Democrats are not, you know, above blame or above responsibility. They made some mistakes. And one of their biggest mistakes was to not recognize that we are in a different political world than the past. And so they explain that, that, please. Well, they accepted that this was a midterm and midterms are always supposed to be hard. You're supposed to lose seats. You're supposed to fall back. You know, that's the traditional model. The party that is not in power usually gains quite a bit in a midterm. To, to, so your, think, point, to your point, 2018. Yeah, exactly. Blue right. And so Democrats assumed, you know, look, this is just going to be a tough cycle. What they should have done you say, no, all the things that we're talking about, Roe, democracy, terrible Republican mistakes along the way, open a possibility to actually do the, the almost unprecedented and make gains in a midterm. And so resources should have been more carefully directed in that direction. 
And I'll give you a quick example, just the simplest. Well, one. these California races where I live. Right. But let me give you another one. Um, in western Wisconsin, where I live, there's a congressional district that's been, you know, votes usually Democratic for president, but it's very closely divided. It's about a 50-50 district. Um, the Republicans had a candidate who had run before. He was running very strong, very high profile. The Democratic candidate was, you know, lower profile, a state senator, uh, and had no money, no real resources of his own. The Democrats pulled out. They gave up on the district. The Democratic candidate in that district got more than 48% of the vote. Wow. If the national Democrats had put even half the resources that they put into, you know, competitive districts into that district, the Democrat would have won. All right, when, you say resources, when you say resources, when you say resources, okay, yeah. are we, I mean, Citizen, Citizens United showed us that, that Koch and, and Soros and others have a tremendous impact, obviously, right? Yeah. Um, with the money that you're allowed to put in this dark money. Um, and we, I mean, I've been involved in it too. I work for some super PACs. I create some stuff for some Democratic super PACs. I get it, right? Um, and you're limited to the amount you can give to a candidate. So, you know, we've seen these, just these ads. We all saw them. We're all glad that the election was over because we didn't want to see them anymore. But when you say put resources, are we talking about people on the streets knocking on doors? Or are we talking about attack ads? The whole, now the whole thing. Um, it's, it's a commitment to, to a district. And so does that money for TV? Yes, it's money for TV. It doesn't have to be attack ads. Actually, there's some evidence. Uh, you and I both know people tend to vote against more I than know. they do for. I, and, there's, and by the way, the Republican in the district had plenty to criticize. Yeah. But what I'm saying is uh, the Democrat in the district I'm talking about was outspent by millions of dollars. Wow. If that Democrat had just been in the zone of competitive, he would have won. Okay. And Chip, I can point to a half dozen other districts, primarily rural districts or exurban districts around the country, where Democrats gave up on their candidate and then lost by relatively narrow margins. And so what I am telling you is that with a little more strategy, the Democrats could have held the House. There's okay. simply no doubt. All right. So we, we go, let's go past November 8th. Yep. All right. So there were a lot of factors that led up to um you know, the, the, the keeping the Senate, um, maybe even adding a vote. The latest poll mm -hmm. today came out. Warnock is ahead by four percentage points over um, Herschel Walker, who is legitimately insane. I mean, I know I, people toss that word around, but there's something wrong with the guy. It's frightening, actually. I, mean, I really mean that. And it's sad in, in a way to see Cruz and, and uh, who else did I say? Lindsey oh, Graham. Lindsey yeah. Graham has been. Lindsey Graham and, and, and Sean Hannity, too. They're all out stumping for him. Um, that 51st vote would uh, put some pressure on cinema and mansion to even a greater degree. Uh, there's some things that, you know, obviously the, if the house, and it looks like for sure now the house is, is yeah. going to be Republican. Um, you know, the thing that bothers me about it is I'm going to play a video here that is it's, it's bothersome, but it's also the best thing you'll see on the internet today. Cause it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of frightening. One way I've done that is by calling for role. Watch the guy in the background. One way I've done that is by calling for roll call votes. And they decide whether to take it out and strangle it. Socialist monetary policy, endless wars and nation building across the world, not the interest. The fact that she's going to have a committee assignment, maybe even, yeah. I mean, that's frightening because she's obviously uh, uninformed, lazy, and... Uh, and, you know, she she's in a district, I think, that she got 80 percent or some crazy percentage of her vote. High, yeah, high in the it's, a, it's a gerrymandered district. And, right. and that's what we find around the country, that the most extreme members tend to come from gerrymandered districts. So here's the subtlety of it, though. Um, 
and this is an important thing to understand, we're going to separate the Senate from the House. We should talk about both because there's big deal things as regards both. In the House, what can be very quickly said is Kevin McCarthy is not a particularly capable leader. And no. as a result, he has already cut deals with his most outrageous, most outlandish members to keep them on board, right? Because he's, he's got such a narrow margin, he, margin, he is uh, afraid that he could lose his, his position. So he's already um, you know, terrified of his caucus. Unlike For everybody that doesn't follow you, he's trying to get enough votes so he can be elected speaker. He desperately wants to be speaker. Um, there are people that believe on both sides that he's not far enough to the right. And there's people obviously that want to, you know, the Liz Cheney types that are still in, you know, I can't even name more than a handful of old school Republicans yeah. that, that want to be able to work with Biden and try to get some meaningful legislation passed. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Right. So that's exactly right. And so McCarthy uh, is terrified of his caucus. He's in many ways the opposite of Nancy Pelosi. Now, you can like Pelosi or dislike Pelosi, but the fact of the matter is that Pelosi was in charge of her caucus, right? And people responded to her. In this case, McCarthy responds to his caucus. And so, yes, yeah, so are you looking at Marjorie Taylor Greene? She's going to be in a position of a lot of power because McCarthy's afraid of her. The same is true of all of the more extreme forces. So what that's going to mean is that in the House, their energy is going to be poured into doing investigations of Hunter Biden's computer, Right. I mean, that, and, and you know full well, and it's going to be like they want to impeach the, the guy who deals with border security. And they're, it's all going to be uh, performative show stuff. Uh, they're not going to get much done. They're even going to be having a problem passing basic pieces of legislation out of the House because there's some Republicans that won't go along with them. So the end result is a lot of theater, a lot of uh, wasted time. Well, now, will they get an impeachment vote out of a Judiciary Committee? Potentially. I don't I, I think it's I, I'm not going to tell you for sure, though, because I know the Judiciary Committee pretty well. And there are a couple of Republicans on there who are looking to the future. Right. They are like they're, they're a little concerned about where going off the deep end. So, I mean, this is all about, uh, uh, you know, the the level of pressure on the Republican Party from its extreme right and from Trump and others. But uh, what I can tell you is that what will happen in the House is pretty much nothing, okay? It's going to be a waste of two years. Now, the only place where they're going to put pressure on the Biden administration will be in the budget process. And there, it won't be that they will achieve things. It will be that they'll be able to make it hard to do things. Yeah. And so talking to, we're talking to John Nichols from The Nation. This is uh, Chip Franklin on What the Franklin, uh, brought to you by Moskowitz LLP, tax attorneys, Triple Eight tax deal. Any question you have, these are the guys. Uh, Steve is just... I mean, I'm not, he'd get embarrassed if I told you all the charitable stuff he does. It's a great company. If you have any kind of questions, whether you want to set up a pension or whether you're a small business or an individual, Moskowitz, LLP.com, triple eight tax deal. Um, he, the problem with this, John, is the perception. Um, most people don't understand about committees. They don't understand about caucuses. They don't understand about majorities. They'll see Marjorie Taylor Greene on the news in red states every night, um, maybe Lauren Bopert. I don't know the latest on her votes. They're recounting those. She's ahead by hundreds, not thousands. So, um, but let's assume that the you know the Jim Jordans, the McCarthys, the others, they're going to get a lot more uh, time, um, and they'll be able they'll be debating. You know, what they'll have to cover Green if she's and she'll be t saying and saying sure. things that she always does, uninformed and uh, lies. Uh, the average American is going to see that on their feeds, and they won't understand. I, I, that's my, my fear 
is that, yeah, granted, they don't have any power to actually do anything. But if they can get a, an impeachment vote in the House, that's a damning thing again. Right. I mean, most people will think that Biden actually did something worthy of an impeachment if they impeach him. By the way, for everybody out there, an impeachment is a charge. The Senate actually convicts. Right. You need 67 votes. That'll it never will happen. Ne it will never happen. And it might not. And Chip, it might not even come out of the House. Uh, the fact of the matter is I watch the House really closely. There are still in that Republican caucus in the House, eh, half dozen, maybe a few more. Where are um, we votes wise right now? What do we think? It's going to be 225. Is that what we think? It could get to there, but it might not even get that high. Remember, these recounts uh, and, and this process is ongoing could be as low as like a, a four seat advantage for the Republicans. Right. Which so, means you just got to find four Republicans in there who have some kind of uh, belief in, in, in their party and moving well, forward. Chip, you're such an optimist and such a, a, a generous guy. I'm not saying necessarily, uh, you know, idealism is in play here. I'm talking about people who are looking Correct. at 2024 and thinking, uh, I'm not sure I want to be out on this on this branch. Right. right. I mean, I may, I may not want to go over the cliff. And so, so more pragmatism than idealism. Well, yeah, they're facing there. And, mm -hmm. and so you've got that. So let's put the house in that box and accept that that's where that that chamber is going to be. Now, let's look over at the Senate. Why does Georgia matter so much? Because Democrats have got a 50 50. What, who cares? Right. You know, you're fit. You won, you know, cross the finish line. You know, be done. Big, big deal on the 51st. They've got a power sharing agreement in the Senate right now that's got, you know, equal membership on the committees, a whole host of other factors there. And um, you obviously have the cinema and mansion factor. Now, many pundits will tell you, oh, cinema and mansion, they're the same. They're not. Cinema is a much more socially liberal individual. Mansion uh, is much more economically focused individual. Uh, it doesn't mean they won't go together on some issues, but there are some issues where they may part. Having one more Democrat that makes it possible to lose a Joe Manchin or a Kirsten Sinema on a particular vote uh, means Democrats can still prevail. So this Georgia race on a whole host of levels is an incredibly important race for the Democrats and one that does one final thing that I'd throw in the mix. And that is from a psychological standpoint. If you've done well in the midterms and then you cap it off with a runoff victory, that gives I think it just in general sends a message that the Democrats are on the march. And that's a very good way to come out of a midterm where a lot of people thought they were going to do poorly. Um, who's going to grab the votes of that independent? I forget the person's name. Um, do you think was that was that more of a conservative? Oh, down in uh, Georgia. Yeah, uh, yeah it's a libertarian. And, okay. uh, and and he was a, a pretty sincere libertarian. And if you know anything about the, the libertarian movement, there's people who really believe in, you know, like kind of across the board libertarian vision. Well, they used I to be socially liberal. The old joke was a uh, yeah. libertarian was a Republican who got high. Right. That's right. Yeah. And, um, and or a Democrat who didn't want to pay taxes. And <laughs> and so the, the end result was that uh, this guy got his vote. I, I think that that he was a parking place for a lot of people that who didn't really want to choose. And so you're probably talking about some portion of uh, Republicans, but more moderate to uh, moderate Republicans. How did Walker get that nomination, John? I still don't understand that. Oh, it's easy. No, come on. You understand it totally. Donald Trump. Uh, no, I, I get that. Is, but I mean, yeah. this is the same state that also Ossoff and Warnock were elected that yep. stood up to Trump and, you know, and, 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 and gave it to Biden. So how could that same state have, have this guy, listen to this, this is him. This is him talking about school shootings just recently, not this latest one. God, I can't believe it's 
trying to, so trying to put these in some kind of order. This is Walker again speaking. Listen. What we need to do is look into the person that did the uh, did the shooting. The same thing that's happened, whether it was in Texas, in New York, in Chicago, the thing happened in uh, Buffalo. You know, people see that it's a person wielding that weapon. You know, Cain killed Abel. You know, and uh, you know, and that's the problem that we have. And I said, what we need to do is look into how we can stop those things. You know, he talked about doing a disinformation. What about getting a department that can look at young men that's looking at uh, women that's looking at uh, just social media? What about doing that, looking into things like that? So maybe it, this guy gets into office, it's not such a bad thing because every time he'll speak, We'll go, oh, my God. I mean, I've never seen anybody that's so incapable. I mean, they got to keep him away from microphones, but that's impossible if you're a U.S. senator. Not in the Senate. And here's yeah. the bottom line. Here, here's the bottom line on, on Herschel Walker. It's not about Herschel Walker. It's about what the Republican Party has become. And this is a very noble party with roots in Lincoln and I, all the way through Teddy Roosevelt and Eisenhower. Uh, even Reagan, you can find your elements to have regard, at least for an ability to communicate and things of that nature. This Republican Party has decided that it wants to win at any cost. And that includes putting up a candidate who is not prepared for the race or for the job and sticking with that candidate, even when revelations uh, that would have disqualified anybody else come out and then still sticking with them. So what you've got is a, an extreme level of cynicism on the part of the Republicans. But one has to understand that that level of cynicism is somewhat transparent. It's pretty obvious. And so I think what you're seeing in Georgia is a situation where Raphael Warnock, Reverend Raphael Warnock, is able to get you know a pretty good vote, including vote out of suburbs and out of some more Republican areas. Remember, Warnock got a lot of votes from people who voted for Brian Kemp for right. governor, uh, a Republican He's for a, governor. Oh my God, the dude's a Baptist minister. He's running against a guy who held a gun to a woman's head and a knife to her throat and talked about routinely playing. Um, what's the game? The Russian roulette, you know, I'm, with the pistol. I mean, to me, everything here uh, says, I mean, I, I, I believe that Warnock's going to win by eight or 10. I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger as we move forward. Um, I think people are going to realize that, you know, they have an opportunity now um, to, to save the state, you know, and, and but what a message that will be, not just in that state, but nationally. Right. And that's why. Resonate to Trump in his head, you think that, you know, it's another failure. I mean, yeah, it would be another failure for Trump. And remember, uh, as regards Trump, uh, his candidates in these key races have lost again and again and again. But, Chip, you are not in the bubble. And I'm sorry that in the Republican bubble, in the bubble that has developed, at least not just at the base, but right up into some of the leadership levels, there is, a, you know, there's a, a fear of taking on Trump. I'm amused, frankly, by, by all the pundits who will tell us that, oh, somehow Ron DeSantis is going to, you know, elbow Trump aside. With all due respect, Ron DeSantis is as bad as Trump on just about every issue. But more importantly, one thing that Donald Trump knows how to do is to make his base hate other Republicans. He's very, very wow. good at that. He's better at that than he is at making his base dislike Democrats. And you know, we'll be studying that guy for a long time. But one of the things that he has done, he did so well is that he just ignored the other side and frightened the people inside his own party. You know, he That's, didn't, yeah. I mean, he attacked Democrats, but more he pointed to things, to issues as opposed to people that, you know, I mean, I think of the border probably was brilliant and the, the Democrats still haven't really fully understood 
how to, how to speak to that issue. I mean, you can speak numbers. Yeah. You know, we talked about this yesterday. Uh, I talked to uh, Congressman Joe Walsh about, and he agrees that the Democrats need to uh, to take over the border again and to say, yes, it's a problem, but here's how we're going to fix it. Here's some numbers that you may want to know that you're, if you don't get immigration up in the next seven to 10 years, you're going to lose right. your job. Yeah, this well, country's GDP is going to go down one, two percent. You know, I spend a lot of time. I, I, I obviously write about American politics, but I also write about global issues. And I spent a decent amount of time in Europe. And I can tell you in Germany, um, they realized a long time ago that if they were going to remain an industrial power. And remember, they are the in many ways, the machine shop. Of the, they're not the machine shop. They're the machine producer of the world. Right. And. And economically that they were going to need immigrants. And the fact of the matter is, it hasn't been easy. I mean, any country, you know, there's always challenges, there's always debates and that. But the reality is that that if you look at countries that figure out how to really come out ahead in the long-term economic struggles globally, uh, immigration is a part of right. that. And what we need desperately is a, a democratic, frankly, democratic president, a democratic party that can talk to that issue in a logical way. Well, it's great to this point that one of our listeners just said the House will be completely insane and get nothing done. Was Pelosi really that great if she couldn't hold it all with the accomplishments over the last two years? I would say that Pelosi might have been one of the most effective House leaders in, in my lifetime. Back oh, to yeah. Tip O'Neill, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and I would even I might even go further than that. Uh, O'Neill had great skills, but he was also operating in a certain time uh, right. where the party was different. If I was going to look at, at House speakers who. You know, I mean, I, I would I'd maybe even look to somebody like a Sam Rayburn, um, who was remarkable in his ability to to uh, it, at times when, when a lot of the, the political winds were shifting to kind of keep things going. Well, but Rayburn was in the middle of the of the, um, the impeachment proceedings, too, and and had right. If I'm Sam Rayburn, if I oh, that's that, a little late. Yeah. I mean, really, his his great period was the 50s into the early 60s. But um, and but the, here's the bottom line of about all this, though, as regards Pelosi. Um, Pelosi, I, I definitely would tell you, I would have liked to have seen some different strategy as regards some of these swing districts. I think they could have won some more districts, but Pelosi was up against reality. And the reality was that we have massive gerrymandering in a whole bunch of states across this country. And so there were a lot of races that were off the table from the beginning. And, uh, yeah, Pelosi and the Democrats did their best to try and hold it, but, one of the biggest challenges that I think the Democrats had as regards holding the House was that the House was off radar for the last two years. Yeah. It was the Senate we all paid attention to. Right. right? And right. so the Senate, you know, high profile, a lot of it, people actually you talk to grassroots folks. They understood that the Democrats needed to win a seat or so if they were going to have the ability to govern the House off radar, doing its job, you know, functioning, you know, actually quite well but not not as high a profile. And I think that did cost him a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, the American public needs to understand this. I, I and I say this and, you know, Americans aren't really bright, John. And uh, we are. Wow. No, we're not. We're not. Come on. Let's be. I know it's not fashionable to say but they're not. <laughs> I can go on the street and I can ask people questions that, um, you know, the, how many. For, I, I bet I could ask Trump. In fact, that's what I wanted Hillary to do uh, during her debate. So do you know how many members there are in the House of Representatives? Ooh, that would have been brutal. But right? 435. I've known that since high school. Oh, I know. I know you know that. And I know my daughter knows that. But um, going for Trump on that, I think you would have had trouble. 
you know, there's a t- there's a better one than that. You know, I mean, uh, who are you two? Which, who are the two senators in your state? Which amendment protects your right to privacy? You know, you know yeah. Madison's 10 amendments. I couldn't tell you what the sixth amendment or seventh amendment really do, but I know the four, you know the first few. Yeah. 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 I know one, two, three, uh, nine and 10, eight. I know. But I think that again, just for people to understand that they, I, one of the things I liked about this election, again, John Nichols from the nation, nice enough to join us here on what the Franklin, one of the things I, I really dig is that, you know, when people see, Oh, you know what? My vote can mean something in a state Senate oh, seat. Yeah. And, and how is that important? It's important from gerrymandering. It's important. Well, look in California, right? We, we've, we've, we're, and some states are passing. Kansas, their state Senate protected the right to choose. Yeah, you well, know? state voters did. The voters well, did. Yeah. But yeah. again, getting, that, getting it out there and clearing a path for the Absolutely. voters to actually vote on it was because of small right. districts where there's a thousand votes. And so, you know, people, again, maybe that's what we need is to, to put this in a way, like a cartoon way for Americans to understand. Well, and, and let's, let's understand this. Donald Trump became president of the United States in 2016 because of the votes of a number of people so small that it could have fit into a football stadium. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was the Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, very close results. Um, and had you just taken half of the votes in each of those states, shifted it to the other side, and that's that's under what you'd need in a football stadium, uh, Hillary Clinton would have been president for four years. Yeah. Right. So that's how it is. John, you rock, my friend. Let's do it again soon, okay? I love being with you, brother, and I'm very glad you got this gig going. It's, it's, it's Thank enjoyable. you. Uh, TheNation.com, John Nichols. We'll talk soon, bud. See you, bye. Bye-bye. Um, great guy. Love having him on. Um so as I started the show today, I want, to, I want to remind you two things. Please subscribe if you're here uh, and you'll get I can get your notifications so you'll know when we're going live. Uh, I promise you that I'll bust my ass to get the smartest and best people on this show. Um, and also comedians. Uh, I've talked to Richard Marks and some other great musicians that come on. We're going to have some performances. It's going to grow as we continue to move forward. Um, again, always thanking Steve Moskowitz from MoskowitzLLP.com. Uh, our sponsors, just incredible. Steve and his staff are amazing. Triple eight tax deal. Any kind of tax question you have, whether you're, uh, you know, a huge corporation or an individual uh, musicians and comedians I've sent there, people that uh, could really understand all the deductions that they are entitled to. And, and maybe, you know, people, especially on the lower half of the economic strata. Again, Moskowitz, LLP.com, triple eight tax deal. All right. One of the things that's really worried me uh, is to listen to the rhetoric from people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Rand Paul about Dr. Anthony Fauci, who, in my opinion, as I just started this whole segment saying that I'm just waiting to get COVID. My wife has it. We're in the same house. Um, she is uh, she's pretty sick. Second day. I tested negative this morning again. I slept two nights with her in the same bed. I slept in the guest room last night. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do thank uh, Fauci and others who have protected this 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 i mean done everything they possibly could um this is i'm going to play you a video of uh dr Ja. he's an indian american general and internist physician and academic serving the white house as a coronavirus response coordinator this is what people need to hear but this is not what we heard during the pandemic but this is the truth that america's physicians like the real leaders of american medicine the people you trust for your cancer care and your heart care and your pediatrics care are out there telling you you need to go get a vaccine. You can decide to trust America's physicians or you can trust some random dude on Twitter. Like those are your choices. 
But I think the key here is to get trusted voices out there spreading truth, spreading science-based information. And for journalists and for people who run platforms, what I would say is you should be thinking about what your personal responsibility is. And do you want to be a source of misinformation and disinformation? That's up to, uh, up to those individuals, but I really think it's really important uh, for us, for me, to be spreading good information. It's obviously all that's true. Uh, one more before our next guest, and this is uh, the White House spokesperson who I had on the show before she actually got the gig when uh, Saki left. Uh, her name is Karina Jean-Pierre. Um, again, talking about, I believe this is the clip about Fauci as well. Dr. Fauci has always led with the science, and our country is stronger and healthier because of his leadership. Here, here. Uh, joining me right now is is a longtime friend and uh, a guest of the show on many times. Uh, he created the um, the at New York University the Division of Bioethics at the Langone Medical Center. Dr. Art Kaplan, nice enough to be with us today. How you doing, Art? Been a while. Hey, not not too bad. I have unfortunately some sniffles, little itchy throat, and guess whose spouse also got COVID yesterday? No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, not in three wood. years, first time in this house. Yeah, so I don't know what the heck happened. Well, we went cautious. to a party. We went to a party, but it's like, and I haven't been to. A, I swear to God, I haven't been to. A, I've been to a restaurant inside. I mean, people. I've been really careful, and uh, and so my wife and I went to uh, a party that had open doors. It was like a, a party room, but it was outside, kind of off us, off the sh- offshoot of a building. Yeah. And, you know, we always wear masks. We didn't. And now we're beginning to hear numbers. My wife, another person that was at the party. Um, I mean, I've been around it. I've tested positive once and then negative the next day. So and it's real weird to have a, a false positive, as we all know, even from these tests. It's much more likely to have a false yeah. negative. So I, I and I was sick at that time. So I don't know if I I mean, anyway, so here we big are. Big lesson here. Get your yeah. shots. Get your shots. Some people send me, but they don't stop you from getting COVID. No, I've got True. five. They stop you from being dead, which yeah. is a good good place to be. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, when you get to a certain age, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, right. Uh, all that is um, is true. Um, this is something to be with us around for the rest of our lives. Yeah, you know, you know SARS-CoV-2 virus is not going anywhere. It's changed, and, and we all have been following that. But um, what I want to talk to you about today is, is a couple things. Is Dr. Anthony Fauci is resigning. And uh, and and I, I believe that, you know, I mean, watching him over the last three years, I think we were really, really fortunate to have a man of his integrity and insight in that position. And to hear people like Rand Paul, whose last job was, you know, the eyeglass guy at, at, at the at the eyeglass at the sunglass hut, you know, in the mall. I'm not ha- I'm only half kidding. He's, he's so to hear his again, to hear people talk about this like they have the answer. No one had the answer in the beginning. We don't have the answer now. You know, we know masks work. How there's about a thousand years of, of, of experience of people covering their face right. around sick people. It, they work. Some that's why, but by the way, that's why your doctor and your yeah. surgeon wear them. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, and I just, I guess when I look at, you know, we haven't, we haven't spoken in about a year, I think uh, on the air. Um, and we did, we spoke a lot during the early stages of, of the pandemic um, and I think most people like yourself, uh, plus virologists and epidemiologists, looked at this and thought this is probably where we'd be. You know, we were hoping maybe less than a million lives. We probably could have cut that in half with uh, better right. in the beginning. But 
What, what's your take now? Uh, I want to ask you about Dr. Fauci and his legacy okay. in a minute, but I want to first I want to ask you about um, where are we uh, moving forward and are we better or less prepared for the next pandemic? Because we know it's out there. A little better prepared. So we aren't short on protective gear. Do you remember how many healthcare workers were getting sick at the start of the pandemic because they didn't have a mask? And that's why, just for the record, that's why Fauci said we didn't need a mask right away. Yep. He was trying to save masks for the healthcare for, teams. For the healthcare team. He did not say <clears throat> you don't need them. Again, that's been repeated so many times incorrectly by right wing media. He we never had, said uh, don't need workers wearing baggies. I mean, plastic garbage bags because we were right. short. Not short anymore. And by the way, even when we got some of that equipment, it was shoddy. Some of it of dubious purchase. Trump's buddies were uh, fulfilling the contracts from suppliers from who knows where on planet Earth. And a lot of those uh, masks and uh, protective gear that they got tore and ripped and stunk. No one ever went after them. They were all his cronies, if you will. Uh, crony capitalism didn't lead to the best uh, version of protective gear. But we're better on that. We're a little bit uh, behind, but nonetheless better on vaccines. Uh, got a little confused about boosters. Uh, Fauci has said this, I'll say it, <clears throat> the vaccine was always a three-shot vaccine. It wasn't two. That's just what we did to get a handle on the deaths, and Trump pushed that too. But it's a three-shot vaccine. you got to get the third one to complete the initial series to get immunity. People sort of said, well, I don't need a third shot. I don't need a fourth shot. It's a booster. Yeah. Uh, it's the completion of the series. So... Not enough people have gotten boosted. The vaccines helped a lot, but we need more people to get boosted. Should we have said early on, Doc, that we should we have said, look, vaccine's not going to keep you from getting COVID. That was yeah. what people misunderstood, I think. Yes. You know, is that you're going to you could still get it. You're just probably not going to die if you have the vaccine unless you have a severe underlying condition. Correct. Know? And it's just like the flu. Yeah. You still can catch the flu post a flu shot. People tell me that all the time. It's true but you don't wind up on a ventilator. You don't wind up in an ICU. You're just at home for a period of time, less with less symptoms. And that's what the COVID vaccines do too. So a little poor messaging, but we now are in a position to come up with better vaccines. Cause you know what I'd like to see? A one-shot vaccine. You know what I'd like to see? A nasal vaccine. There are people working on that. Right, well that's huge because of needles and, and, and the- Correct. The, everything you know, if you said to me, Chip, what's, the number one reason that people don't get vaccinated, I don't think it's the nut in the bar who says you don't need it. I think people don't like needles. And if you can get an inhalable one or a bandage you put on your arm, boom, up with the, the rates would go up uh, just enormously. Remember when we had issues with um, refrigeration issues and yep. getting the virus? Um, uh, mRNA has it didn't just show up. It's been around for 25 years. They've been the-, the, the SARS, MERS, yes. Right. Right. And uh, and by the way, you know, SARS and MERS, we were just so fortunate that, that they were not more uh, uh, contagious. Correct. They, they had I was I can't I, I get mixed up. I think it was MERS. Is it MERS that had the 70 uh, percent rate? I mean, Correct. that was huge. And this and had, by the way, the same platform got used a little bit in the Ebola vaccines and that cut back a pretty deadly outbreak, too, which, by the way, just so everybody knows, that's why people were not afraid to go faster with these vaccines because they could cut out the usual animal studies and right. lab studies because they'd used the platform already, which saved them roughly 
three years. Right. So they weren't warp speed like let's all go out and cut corners. They were warp speed like, hey, lucky us, we have the mRNA platform and it's here. One of the things that Fauci tried to do so well is to overcome the voices, not just of the you know the Aaron Rodgers or the Rand Pauls um, or the, the you know the Joe Kennedys um, uh, or other you know celebrities that came out, but also I think the the idea that. You know, explaining to people about, you know, trying to get past the MMR uh, fears and all that moving forward that, you know, uh, I, I read this the other day that there was not a healthy person in the United States, somebody with an underlying morbidity condition that received a Pfizer or Moderna vaccine that died from it. Not I one, think that's true. One person. I in believe the- that to be true. <laughs> and there were people also screaming about young men getting uh, basically irritation of the heart muscle. They did. It went away. Nobody died. You know who died? The people who got uh, heart muscle irritation from COVID. Yeah. They're the ones who died. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Dr. Fauci is um, is, is, reti- is re- uh, resigning, retiring, um, although he, he's not fully retiring. He's still going to work. He's just not I, that, knowing him. I think he'll be right. retired when we're at his funeral. But yeah. And, you know, this is a guy, of course, for many that don't remember this was in the middle of the HIV uh, uh, fight and the H of course, HIV, we never got a, a, a vaccine for, because it's just, it's, it just changes way too much to be effective. Right. Although we found a way through cocktail of drugs to manage it, you know, right. and, and, and which is great. I mean, I lost friends and I'm sure you knew people too, back in the eighties. Yep. Uh, and, and to see that happen. Um, I think when I think of what the thing that about Dr. Fauci that bothers me the most is that, he, he at some point just didn't say, I'm, I'm done with this crap, you know, and just like turn to Trump and say, you're lying and you're killing people. But by staying in position and taking all the crap people could throw his way, he saved, in my opinion, hundreds of thousands of lives by taking all that. I don't want to say the S word here. I'm trying to clean up the BS, show. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and I know we're on the Internet, but um, it, it, to me, what he did by sacrificing to the people like Rand Paul and others to listen to their drivel. Um, that to me is almost as important as what uh, he actually was protecting and what he was supporting. Which so was- it, it, this is interesting, Chip. First, let's be clear about something. Fauci is one of the top most distinguished biomedical research scientists in immunology, which is what viral infections and vaccines are all about, of the past hundred years. I mean, I think he's the sixth most cited scientist for his publications. Uh, he's been head of the NIH uh, Allergy and Immunology Division for 45 years. You don't hold that position no. unless your peers think you're top rate. <laughs> I know the guy, friend of his, <laughs> absolute integrity, a master of playing politics, which unfortunately... Some of those who were advising uh, Trump in those early days, remember our CDC friend with the scarves? Yeah. Um, Diane Burks, they, they, they did not do a good job. I think the Surgeon no. General at that time failed, didn't speak up. But Fauci would never be silent. He was respectful. He sort of acknowledged that he was dealing with elected Congress people and had to give them their say, like Paul or our goofball friend Green. But, but he never misspoke. He never gave out disinformation. He never covered up anything. So to me, uh, 
it's it's not even a contest. I'll use a metaphor that you will like as a former baseball player. I mean, Rand Paul couldn't carry around Fauci's jock. I mean, <laughs> literally, just could not. He has no science the way Fauci no. does. None, zero, zip, nothing. So let's be clear. Fauci, just on the basis of his work on AIDS and setting up the prevention program that he did, much less the treatment program, PEPFAR is what I'm talking about, which went all through Africa as a prevention, that alone would put him in the uh, uh, Hall of Fame of Science. What he did- for the record, for everyone that just listening to this, that's Dr. Art Kaplan from uh, the Division of Bioethics, New York University's Langone Medical Center. I have that memorized, Doc. <laughs> um, and, um, uh, you know, to, to look at Dr. Fauci and to hear uh, Bopert and others say they're going to subpoena him and put him before a congressional committee. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, part of me thinks that he wants it to happen. Part of me thinks he does, too. I mean, Bobert versus Fauci. <laughs> You're right. Uh, so, look, uh, don't get sick, Doc. Um, we're bo- if you just joined us, both of us were exposed by our wives. Yeah, how about that? How about that. And um, I haven't really sh- – I thought I was sick. This- I mean, I-, I felt – you know, it's psychosomatic. I was in bed last night by myself, um, and I have asthma, but, you know, it's always under control. And uh, But I was just feeling like – I'm feeling sore because that's what my wife felt. So I felt – but it's all- I realized the reason I feel sore is because I'm freaking old. Uh, i'm familiar with that problem well i'll keep an eye on you i'll keep an eye on you and hopefully this uh this won't go anywhere okay very good well let's uh not let fauci get dragged down into the dirt that's that's absurd and i'm glad we had a chance to at least clarify what it means to be a towering giant yeah. American science, Among, well, not some not some peanut like Rand Paul. And he, you know, what I, one of my favorite quotes of all time is Isaac Newton when they asked him how he, you know, how he came up with all these great, you know, axioms, how he invented calculus and other things. He said, "If I stay, if I see further than others, it's because I stand on the shoulders of giants." Yeah. And that's yeah. exactly what Fauci would say. He would yeah. give credit to everybody, and uh, you know, so uh, hopefully this gets to him someday, and uh, hopefully I can get him on the show sometime. You make a call for me. I would. Okay. Right, well, Doc, get better. And how's your all back? right, you be healthy too. How's that back? You all right? Yeah, but, that's a little better. Although, you know, as you just said, age, not a good thing. <laughs> but, you know, it's good to keep having birthdays. That's my thought, right? All right. Be well, buddy. We'll talk Alrighty. to you soon. And Dr. Art Kaplan from the Division of Bioethics at New York University's Langone Medical Center. I really have memorized that. Um, those are two standout people you saw on the show today, people that are dedicated Americans. Um, who came at this thing, including uh, John Nichols, who writes for The Nation and is an editor. Um, they're just sincerely wonderful people. Um, I, I haven't gotten to this next story yet, um, the shootings uh, from last night. I grew up in Washington, D.C., but I, I know that part of Virginia very well, Chesapeake, Virginia, where these shootings happened. I went to college at Virginia Tech, and I, I lived in, in Northern Virginia for a long time, so I know that area well. And and um, I've seen some of the interviews this morning on the Today Show and others, um, a lot of African-American legislators in there and listen to the, the plain spoken anger that people have of yet another shooting, another. Uh, and and I look at these I look at these politicians and I mean, you got let me play a couple. This is uh, Ted Cruz talking about back in the Uvalde uh, talking about his solution 
for um, stopping school shootings. One of the things that, that, that everyone agreed is don't have all of these unlocked back doors. Have one door into and out of the school and have that one door armed police officers at that door. If that had happened, if those federal grants had gone to this school, when that psychopath arrived, the armed police officers could have taken him out. So it's a door situation. That's what uh, Ted Cruz is saying. By the way, you know who would not like just one door that was unlocked? Uh, well, that would be the fire department. Um, there are 350 plus million weapons, uh, the AR-15s. Um, if you haven't seen, you know, I want to, let me see, did I put this in the show today? Uh, yeah, I did. All right. So this is the guy that did the, um, uh, the, the Club Q shooting in Colorado Springs. And just imagine, so this guy earlier had a standoff in his home where he threatened to blow up his mother. Uh, and somehow this guy got back out and managed to go in and shoot 25 people and kill five. Uh, again, this is obviously a homophobic, um, GOP-inspired attack. You can't tell me that this guy wasn't inspired listening to that crap. Listen to a little bit of this. It's just uncovered video of the suspected shooter in the nightclub mass shooting spree. This is 22-year-old Anderson Lee Aldrich during a nasty encounter last year with deputy sheriffs in Colorado Springs. His mother reportedly called cops after she said he threatened her with a homemade bomb. On the day of the standoff, the suspect was seen walking up to the house wearing a COVID mask. He's lugging a large suitcase with his mother at his side. A short time later, the tense two-hour standoff takes place. You get a glimpse of the suspect in riot gear doing a Facebook Live as police surround the house. This is your boy. I've got the outside. Got the rifles out. As he walks through the house, he makes a serious threat. If they breach, I'm going to blow it to holy hell. So here's my question. If that dude's not white, what happens to him? So anyway, um, last one here. Uh, well, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, uh, Lindsey Graham, uh, again, his commenting on, I don't know what to do, he says. I have no idea what to do here. 350 million guns versus thoughts and prayers. Who wins that battle? Uh, joining us right now, the incredible part of the uh, of the well, I don't know what we're calling this this group of misfits here. Uh, that, of course, is Mark Thompson. <laughs> I like group of misfits. I like it. I like it. Mark's show kicks off in just a few minutes, and uh, he's nice enough to join us here. Mark, tell me a little bit about what's happening today. Well, I first want to note that uh, Nikki is sunshine, light, sweet. And I was talking to her the other day, and I said, you know, your superpower is that when you see your show. You're just happy. You're pretty. I mean, not to say, but it is a superficial thing. Sorry. I mean, uh, Chip and I can't really hold a candle to that. And and look at her. She's just bright. Look at Chip and myself. We're dark. Chip's uh, going on about racism, uh, the gun problem. I mean, we're going to, I'm the same way. I'm going to, I've got problems. When you get older, everything starts to bother you and it becomes so nakedly clear to you what's wrong with this country and this culture. And so we carry all of that every day. Nikki is lovely and has potential and her kids are young. It's just great. I, I don't know. I don't even want to do a show today. All right. So we go on in a few minutes, Chip. We've got good stuff. It's great. I do law and disorder. I've got my stuff. Please join. It's called The Mark Thompson Show. And uh, we also have some cool picks from listeners. We've got a listener in Buffalo, New York, who is uh, digging out still 
from all the snow. So we'll share some of those pics as well. So it's a, it's a big, big show, Chip. Yay. Yeah. Thank you. There it is. There it is. There it is. Love you, buddy. Thank you for letting me say hey. Bye, Mark. Okay. See Again, you. Mark Thompson. Bye-bye. Follow him on YouTube right now. Go there. It's coming up right after the show. Well, you're right there. You're already if you're watching this. because I Exactly. Just, there you go. He's right. You always your smile does make. I, I am. Li- this room is literally so much brighter. I don't. It's it's brightening. It's it's blinding bright. Well, but, these, uh, I mean, you can't see. I have these huge lights on the side coming in, and 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 I have my my awards right over here. There, I, yeah, and I just have Matthew McConaughey who helps me, you know, shine every single day. So there you right, go. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, that video that you were just showing of that. The nightclub gunman is insane. 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 You know what? I, what I, just real quickly, I just want to say the problem is, you know, that that guy, when we are talking about the NRA and advertising guns, you don't think that that is the perfect example of somebody that is just either in some sort of chat room or Internet thing, getting this this message that this means you're a tough guy and you have these guns and there's and he has to talk to everybody on his live chat. Give me a break and watch every Republican leader pose with a rifle. I mean, from Trump, right on down to Lauren. Robert, oh, I can't stand her. Yeah. So did she lose? No, damn it. No, she's like hundreds of one. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that the oh, who was she up against? Uh, no, they're Rich? still counting Rich? votes there, though. They haven't certified. Yeah, but I think he conceded. He did. He conce- yeah, Adam Man. Frisch, I think his name is. Oh my god, yeah. I, I can't believe I can't believe they reelected her. But whatever, I don't live in Colorado, so. Mm. What do you got yeah. going on today? Well, we're going to try to keep it a little bit lighter today as everybody starts to hit the road for Thanksgiving. Everybody does pandemics and murder lighter than I do. I know. I mean, can we laugh about death and destruction? So Thanksgiving, I'll do some celebrity trash. I got some feel-good stories. I want to, you know, start the holiday off with some feel-good stories. We're going to get in. At noon, by the way, I should tell you. Yes, my show starts in about two hours. And so Oakland's, uh, Oakland has a new mayor who's made history. She's the first Hmong. I Libby Chef. Hers. I love Libby. Uh, she actually came on my show. She's so sweet. Anytime. You're on all the time. And yeah. She's smart and she's hot. Mm. Can I say that? You can. Okay. She came on this show. She came on my YouTube show and she's so funny. She's like, can I say bitch? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Say bitch. It's fine. Uh, it was so funny. But yeah, so Shang Tao, though, is the first Hmong person to lead a major U.S. city and chip. She rents. And I just love the fact that a major city mayor is really going to feel the housing crisis because they rent. So we'll talk about that, a bunch of other stuff. It's going to be fun. Um, My last thing is, I don't know if I told you that Wendy has COVID. Oh, no. Dr. Art Kaplan, who was on with me earlier, his wife that just got COVID, too. Same time. So we're both waiting. He's already starting to show signs. Me, so far, nothing. So we'll see. Mm, That sucks. Yeah, I've got we got like little colds running through the house. I ran through all my COVID tests, testing everybody. But, you know, so far, so good. Knock on wood. Mark McBride, always great to see your smiling face. Thank you. Try not to smile. I used to do it with my kids. I want to see if I can make you smile. Stop. Try not to smile. All right. I'm going (laughs) to. That's the only way I could do it. I go, there All we right, go. All right, out of here. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, Chip. I'll see All you right, later. We love you. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, the one and only Nikki Medora show coming up. All right, that's it for me. Um, we're off tomorrow, obviously, for Thanksgiving. But Friday, got a lot of great stuff coming up on Friday. I'm, Of course, I don't have it in front of me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, believe me, it's going to be a great show. Uh, we'll have comedy. We'll have music. We'll have uh, politics. We'll do it all. Um, and one more. Oh, yeah. I want to again thank uh, the Moskowitz team at MoskowitzLLP.com. 
they um, they keep us on the air and they do such a great job. If you have any kind of tax issues, triple eight tax deal, any question, whether you've got a small company, do you need an LLC or not? Don't tr- don't go to those online things. Talk to a real person. Again, 888-TAX-DEAL-MOSKOWITZ-LLP.COM. All right. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for me. You guys be safe out there. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I will see you again Friday, even if I have COVID. Damn it. I'll be right here. All right. Again, uh, subscribe, please. Go ahead and subscribe and hit the notification as well so we can let you know when we're on the air. You can go to uh, whatthefranklin.com and uh, find a lot of this as well. If you want to see more, just go to whatthefranklin.com. Please subscribe. Please be part of the team. Get out of here. Have a great one. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, we can. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. What the f*** is wrong with you?